So this month, uh, we're, in, uh, we're doing a study on prayer as a church. Uh, and we have these guides. You can pick up a guide. This is sort of an announcement. They're pink. You can see them. They're very colorful outside. And go through them uh, in your missional community, in your DNA group, and even on your own. Uh, but as we've been going through this study, we're trying to learn how to pray. And it's, it's a very humbling thing to say, maybe I don't like really know how to pray. But uh, it's one of the main things that the, G- that the disciples of Jesus really took from him. Uh, it's the one thing that they asked Jesus, could you teach us how to pray? And so we've been going through Jesus's answer to that uh, phrase by phrase. And today's phrase is hallowed be your name or holy be your name. And it's from Luke chapter 11. And I'm going to read the whole prayer for us. And then we're going to get into that. It says this, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. This is God's word. Amen. I want to start by, uh, as we think about this phrase, hallowed be thy name, uh, kind of thinking about our own daily lives. Uh, You might be like, what does that have to do with hallowed be your name? You'll see in a second. But just our own daily ritual lives. Every now and then someone will ask me, what's what's an ordinary day for you, Brad? And so I'm going to tell you now, and now I won't ask, answer. But I want you to be thinking about your daily life too. So I, I wake up, it's pretty early. Now the sun's up when I wake up, which is pretty good. And I make a coffee and for Mirella, and then I make matcha for myself. And I, I walk the dog. I wake up the kids so that they can get ready for school. Uh, I give them cereal. And then they say, why do we have to always have cereal? And then I think on the inside, maybe I shouldn't always serve cereal. Maybe I'm a bad dad, or maybe we should come up with something better. And then I think, no, like you're going to have cereal. <laughs> and, uh, and then I uh, eventually get myself ready. I, I give Mirella a quick kiss. And then we're out, you know, out the door and we're taking kids to the school and then driving back and looking at my calendar while I'm driving, thinking, what do I have to do today? Where do I need to show up? Uh, and how do I need to show up? You know, maybe you have those kinds of things. Uh, eventually, during the day, I look at my phone a lot, and I do a Wordle, and then I think, and if I, if, it, if I get it in the first three guesses, I think, I'm so smart. I'm such a well-educated person. If I don't get it in the first three guesses, I think, this word is so messed up. Like, that is such a lame, terrible word. And then I'll get back into doing whatever I'm doing and uh, meetings after meetings and eventually the kids come home and, or I go and I pick up the kids and we make dinner real fast and we take them to the activities that they're supposed to do, like all of it is soccer. And uh, then we come home from soccer and usually then we, like I have another meeting or, or meeting with somebody else after they go to bed. Uh, and then eventually, you know, do something else to distract myself and kind of blow away the rest of the few hours that I have left. And then I get into bed and I think, wow, this is just a really crazy season. And then I fall asleep. Like that, that is my day. And I think sometimes like, what was that all about? Especially as you wake up some days and you're like, wow, it is the middle of May, 2022. I, you know, and and you begin to also, I'm at like this, you know, nearly midlife, not quite, I'm still a young person, but 
these moments where I was thinking the other day, it's almost been 20 years since I walked on a college campus as a freshman. And then where did it all go and what has it all been about? And here's what I want us to understand and grow in today, that there's more to our world. Uh, there's more going on in our lives than the hurry. There's more happening than the business, busyness. There's not more for us to do, so that's not what you're going to hear about today. Or there's more stuff to fill it with, but there is a greater purpose to all of the hurry that's going on. And it's not about doing less to find it. It's not about being more disciplined uh, to find that greater purpose. It's just that there's so much more to your life and your schedules and your calendar than just what the next thing is. And, and the main thing is, and this is great biblical Christian truth, and it's that God is present with you. And all the things that I just described, God was present with me. I think even in the wordle. You know, like if there was a modern psalm, it's like, God, if I went to the depths of the internet, you would be there, <laughs> right? But it's more than just that he's present, like God's presence, that's wonderful, but his presence exists with us for a purpose, and that God has a purpose that he's wanting to enact in everything that we do, everything that we worry about, every place that we go, every person that we talk to, he has this purpose and it's to make his name great in all of it. That's his whole thing. And today's phrase, hallowed be your name, is this prayer and it's a posture that really draws us into a life where we rest our heads uh, on our pillows at night, still tired, still fatigued from all the things that we've done, but we rest our head praising God, exalting him for all that he did and how great he was in everything that we did. And so we're going to pray and learn how to pray, hallowed be your name, where we come to live our lives understanding that they matter and where we ache through that prayer. This is what this prayer teaches us. It teaches us how to plead with God, God, Make yourself great in my life. Make it great. And that's what hallowed be your name is all about. These are strange words, so I want to describe them uh, just a little bit. Hallowed, uh, we don't really use that word all the time. I do remember uh, after the, the riots in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, they kept talking about the Senate chamber as a hallowed place. And that really bothered me. But uh, that's the only time that we, we use that, that kind of language, it seems like. But hallowed is just this word to, to be made holy, uh, to be regarded as holy. Uh, it's a prayer for the, the otherness and the, the reverence and the respect of God to be really elevated highly for all to see. Uh, one of the things that we get to see from our house all the time is the Goodyear blimp taking off and floating around. Uh, what a job. Someone should aspire to that job. And it's also, it's odd because everyone, I think, who goes to the tire shop to buy tires asks the question, buy me a tire, give me a tire that fits, and that's it, right? And then we want the cheaper one or the middle one. That's what I always do. When I go to buy tires, I'm like, give me the middle price. 
Uh, don't know if that's right or wrong. Some of you know more. But I think it's fascinating. Goodyear Blimp is floating around in all of these things, and its name is like the highest name in all of Los Angeles, like higher than Hollywood, higher than the Staples Center or Crypto.com Arena. Like the name is just up there floating around. And part of what uh, that prayer, hallowed be your name, is that, that the, the glory, the identity, the reality of God would be that elevated in the place and in our life, in our world. And you might be thinking, what's this whole your name bit all about? Uh, the name of a person, we, we kind of throw them away and we change our names all the time. But in most cultures, and especially in this ancient culture, the name of a person is just so much more than how do you, you know, talk to someone. Uh, in the center of Roman cities and villages, there would be this big pillar uh, out of stone uh, where all the people would come and they'd interact. But on that pillar of stone, they'd be etched into it the family names of the people in the village, especially if they were free people who had wealth and who had uh, an ability to do that. And what would happen is the goal of a person or the Roman race, uh, before it was called the, the rat race, it was called the Roman race or the Corsa Romana, if you want to be real cool later. But the whole goal was to develop enough wealth and influence that your name could get elevated on that stone. And they would etch your name higher and higher and higher. And there was this sort of, you know, categorization of people based on how well you performed in this life. Did you win a battle? Did you buy new farmland? Did you, you know, gain more servants? And it had real life implications. As your name went higher and higher, your status grew in different areas. So if you went to the amphitheater to watch a play, you would be ushered into the better seats. As your name went up, you were put closer and closer to the front. Uh, at the market, you would be given the first or the best fruits. So if you showed up to the market and the place where people are buying and selling stuff, they would take you and bring you to the carts first and say, will you get this because we know your name. Uh, even the people associated with that name, the servants of the people's you know, who are growing in influence, they got better and better stuff. At auctions, when they would be selling things, uh, if your name was being lifted high on that pillar, you had a voice in those auctions, the opportunity to say, I will buy that land before anybody else. On special occasions and festivals that where everyone would celebrate, uh, if your name was being lifted high and going higher and higher on that pillar, they would applaud you and they would usher you in to the very center of all the happenings. Why? Because your name is getting lifted higher and higher. And so the goal of everyone uh, with means was to progress higher and higher. And if your name got to the top of that pillar, you thought, can my name get put on the pillar of this whole region? Because they had those two. And then could I, could I put my name at the very center of Rome and watch it get elevated and elevated as well? See, a name is so much more than what you're called by. A name is your authority, your personhood, your presence, your influence. And so Jesus is teaching us to pray for God to not just be known, but to be given that kind of authority above all things and to all areas of life. That he, he would be ushered to the very front row of everything that's happening. That he would be regarded and he would be given the first fruits and the best produce and all of the wonderful, that he would be regarded in that way. For him to be adored and to be worshipped uh, to be ushered into the very center of our lives. So this prayer, hallowed be your name, is a bit of a dangerous one. You know, like we say, there's these dangerous prayers like, God, use me. Like, that's a really dangerous prayer because what if he answers it? Side note, he's always answering it. So you can pray that if you want to, but God's gonna use you 
and he's going to call you to hard things whether you say that or not. But this prayer of saying, I want him to be lifted high, to be put in the center, for him to be revered and given all respect and glory and honor and worship, that is scary because it means other things are getting pushed out. Other things have to get put away. Uh, As names were raised on those pillars in the center of towns, other names were taken down and put lower. And so uh, as you place Jesus at the center of your life through this posture of prayer that says, I want your name to be great and to be lifted up high in my life, other things are going to get pushed out. And one of them is yourself. Uh, the, the, The antithesis to this prayer is, God, make my name great, right? Like that's the opposite of this prayer, which is ironically, I think it's a prayer we often pray. God, make my life like the center. Even the way, if you listen to the the way that I pray, you'd be like, wow, Brad thinks he's the center of the universe. And you'd be right, that is what I think. And it's, you know, this calls me out of that. It wakes me up. Uh, and there's a lot of, we think about putting our, making our names great. You might say, oh, I don't want to be famous. You know, I don't want my name on a billboard. I don't want a four-year consideration, you know, campaign that's like, please let Brad gain Best Supporting Actor Award. There's a lot of other ways that we try to make our names great. Like we worry about relationships and how other people perceive us because we want our name to be higher and better. Uh, We fight against other people who might be taking something from us, or they might get the the opportunity to take something or take a space from me. And so we fight them because we want our name to be higher. Uh, We make ourselves very special. We say, well, nobody around here has my specific life challenges. They don't have my story. Yeah, this one person, she's a lot like me, but she grew up in New Mexico, so... She can't relate to me. We make ourselves special like that. that no, so, so much so that nobody can speak into our lives because no one's just like us. That's just a way of saying, uh, my name is higher than all of your names. Uh, we climb relational ladders. We like to spend time with and eat with people and, and be in environments where people are clean and beautiful and put together. Not the, the bad and the ugly, but the put together. Why? Because that's like a better status. It's a better place. That's the kind of person I am. You know, I'm the, the kind of person that eats at good restaurants and wears, you know, good clothes. Making our name great. We might even host people and welcome people in our homes, but it's a, it's a performance to make other people marvel at us, not making space for people to, to grow and have relationship with one another. And so I'm sure there's other ways that you try to make your name great. But I just want to pause and kind of ask this question. What does life feel like when you're trying to make a name for yourself? What what does that feel like? What are the results? Uh, What do you, you know, how do you feel when you're making yourself great like that? Does that question make sense? Sweet. Because as I was asking, I was like, I don't know if it does. Exhausted? Yeah. Why is it exhausting? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Always trying. Yeah. Because if you know you get into that exclusive magic magician's house that they have in Hollywood, and then you find out there's rooms inside that place <laughs> that are even more exclusive. It's a never-ending. Yeah. Trip's been in there. 
He's, you know, impressive. <laughs> what else? It's exhausting. That's good. How? Mm. And then what do you feel when you make that one failure? Do you feel shame? Guilt? <laughs> that's tr- yeah, I think that's what's kind of great. Uh, deceiving about it is, uh, you know, you, you grow up and you figure out how to make a name great for yourself, how to deliver for your company so people celebrate you. You learn, you know, how to treat people so they say, wow, you're awesome. And then it's just keeping it up. And then you know eventually it's not going to. And then it's the shame and guilt is overwhelming. Yeah. Any other feelings? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because there's a, there's a level even where you're like living your life and you're, you're watching yourself so much that it's like, you, it's like your life becomes a play instead of your life becoming just a life. Yeah, I call it being a tourist. Being a tourist in your own life. Mm, that's good. Yeah, any others? Mm. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. When, they, when other, you need other people to be performing so that you can keep performing. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Because you, yeah. Which is isolating. Like, nobody then gets to know who you are because it's, everything is filtered. Because we know that you don't, or at least we're told, you don't, get, you don't get higher and higher if you say, hey, you know what, I messed up. Or I don't feel good. Or I don't like being here. Or I'm in a crappy mood. Like that. You know when we... Really yeah, this is what I really think. Yeah. Yeah, that's not the way. And so you... Yeah, which is very isolating. Yeah. That's really good. When, when we pray, Jesus, I want your name to be holy and for your name to be lifted up higher than all other things, that gets pressed out. All the stuff that we just talked about, it gets pressed out. And we say, Jesus, you must increase and I must decrease. Like the classic discipleship like prayer and heart posture towards God is I want you to increase and I want to decrease. Make no mistake about it, like this prayer, and really all prayer, is, a, is surrender. Uh, you, it's hard to have a posture to prayer in which it's not a complete surrender of, God, how about you be high and I be low? How about you be the first and I'll be the last? I believe that you're the only one that can steward my life and I can't. 
That you're the only one that in the end of time will be able to say, that's my child, that's my son, I'm proud of them and I love them. That's the only path. Uh, and, and so that's what gets pushed out of the center is ourselves. The other thing that gets pushed out as we pray, hallowed be your name, uh, and this is just a really big catch-all, is just a bunch of other things, right? There's a bunch of other things that are right there, right? What are, the, what are some of the other things that, get, that fill our lives that we're trying to make lift up high instead of ourselves and instead of God? What are some of those things? Our kids. Our kids? Yeah. Want them to be all good and cared for and perfect and not have any of these attributes that we have. <laughs> yeah. You're just giving everybody's answers. No, no, that's good. No, no. Keep going. Right. Yeah. Where we live, what our house is like, our jobs, all of these. Yeah. Anything else? Absolutely, yeah. It's very real. Yeah. Any other things that we lift high other than ourselves and God? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It'll burst, but it's in control. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah, Jared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's which is yeah, the career and the projects that you work on and and then it's yeah, then you have to live up to that status too. Like I have to behave like a person who but little do they know I was just in a room making something. Yeah. A closet. A closet. I a closet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. With your kids right outside the door. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, and, it, and so I think this is one of the, these, these evaluations that I do even in my own life have often left me to this uncomfortable place of, okay, what am I, what am I supposed to do, you know? Uh, there's these things that I put up really important. So work is something that 
You might even say, I idolize, and I just love, and I, and I have to do well and work. Is, and so the solution is, okay, should I quit my job and not work anymore? Is that what it means to banish those kinds of idols? Be like, no, no more work. Or with your family and with your kids and your, and your relation. Okay, I'm just going to get rid of my kids. Is that what I'm supposed to do? I'm just, no, no more of them, you know, like, or I just shouldn't care about what my kids do. Or our hobbies or our arts or the projects that we work on or our careers. I should just stop, stop right? And then problem solved. My, my heart is good as long as we take those things out. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, they, were, they had things that they worshipped, like we do. We were talking about things that we worship. Uh, and they were statues and figurines and gold medallions and stuff like that. And when the prophets would come and say, you need to get rid of these idols, they would take them in their hands and they would go out to the, to the fire pit and they would chunk the stuff in there. Or they would go out to the, the far reachings of the town and they would just throw them out. And so it's great that that's what that meant for them to banish idols. But what does it mean for us to throw away these things? Because their existence isn't bad. Like, I'm glad we have jobs. I'm glad that we have work. I'm glad that we have careers that are influencing, like, the people around us, right? That, That we're all put in these places Monday through Friday or Sunday through Sunday where we get to serve uh, and create things. Like, that's a really wonderful thing. Our kids are given to us, like baby dedication, there's some evidence of it. It's like, oh, we're supposed to steward them, right? We're supposed to care for them. The thing is, is that they're not bad, right? Um, they're good things. These are all really wonderful good things, except for maybe the desire to control. Yeah, but they're all really good things. Even that, stewarding like, oh, to have dominion and domain over something. We were created for that. It's just that these things were not made to make you holy. And they weren't made to be lifted up as holiness. Uh, Like that image of the blimp that's just so quickly, easily going to pop because it can't carry the weight of what we're trying to pull up. They were made, all of these things, your work, your careers, your families, your houses, your relationships, all of those things, they were made by God to declare his holiness. That's how they were made. Not to create holiness, but to display his holiness. And so what if, with every one of those things, we would ache and long for and pursue God's holiness to fill those things? So like, and this is a real question for you guys. What if with work you were saying, God, I want you to be holy in this? Yeah? So what else? This is a real question for you guys. What if, how did I word it here? What would happen if God's name and presence was made holy in those places and relationships and things that fill our lives? What would happen, you think? Yeah. I feel like there's not really an answer because God can, once we let him and like open that gate, we don't know like what he would do. Yeah. We have all the answers to things and programs that we put in place. Um, so we know what's happened if I do X, Y, and Z. 
Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go for it, Jane. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would just be, uh, I think we'd get quickly, quickly overwhelmed, you know, even to Steffi's point of like, what, what's happening when we would say, God, I want you to be holy. Uh, I want your name to be lifted high. And that, that overwhelmness, I think this is how prayer is cyclical, is we would begin to realize, oh, there, there needs to be a miracle in my work environment for his name to be holy. There would have to be like an earthquake, a disruption to like wake people out of that slumber. There, there needs to be a, a disruption with my own children for them like to have God's name holy. And so then we're left just pleading and praying with God, make your name great and holy in my work because it's gonna, you will have to do it instead of us saying we're gonna do it. Uh, God, make your name holy in my marriage. Make your name holy in my house. Make your name holy in my art. Like that's what you would be left to do because you would realize this calling is just too big and overwhelming. And, And this is why I want us to grapple with it and move forward in this kind of prayer because as Jared said, it is freedom. It's the only kind of freedom you can have in the rat race of Los Angeles, right? It's in these prayers where our idols are turned from things that will destroy us 
and instead are turned into the arena where God's mission is taking place, and we get to participate in it. I'm going to say it again. I told myself I would. These prayers, may your name be lifted high, made holy. These prayers are where our idols are turned from things that will destroy us and instead become the arena of God's mission through us. That's why we pray, holy be your name. It's a prayer like these uh, that Isaiah prayed whenever in Isaiah chapter 6, there's this moment where he has this vision in the temple of uh, God on this throne, and he's huge, like God is huge, and his, and his robe and his cloak fills the whole temple, and it's like bustling out. Uh, that's some great, yeah, if, Jared, if you ever want to make this, then I'll be really impressed. That's when I'll be like, ooh, wow, you made the throne room in Isaiah 6. But it's this big, miraculous, glorious thing. And then Isaiah catches this vision of God blessing all things, all people, all creatures, the whole world filled with his glory and his holiness. And it's in that moment that then Isaiah uh, hears God say, who's going to tell people about this? Who's going to go out there and let them know that I'm this kind of blessing God? And Isaiah says, oh, here I am. Send me. And that's the prayer of God, may your name be made holy. And so uh, just lastly, you know, if you remember the Corsa Romana, this Roman race, where people build their names up higher and higher, and the thing to do is to work hard to move yourself up. What's fascinating, and it's and it's repeated throughout scripture is how Jesus ran the opposite Roman race. Like, how does Jesus make his name great? It's through that. He does the opposite. Jesus ran the race down, down, down. As if he was, I'm gonna, he, he doesn't consider heaven and the glory of his like, relationship with his father as this thing to hold on to, but instead surrenders it. He goes down, down, down. He goes into the depths of sin and humanity. He goes into the depths of pain and evil and injustice. He even goes into death itself. Uh, he goes to the gates of hell, it says in 1 Peter, keep, and he keeps emptying himself, doing the opposite of what you're supposed to do. And then at the end, when he's redeemed and restored the loss, He's been given the name that is higher than any other name. And I, it's, it's most evident that this is what uh, the opposite Roman race is what's happening in Philippians chapter 2. And this is what it says. It says, Jesus, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant And being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And all that, that's like, how will Jesus make his name great? How will he make himself holy? That's how he does it. And then it says in verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, And that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, this is what he does. Like this, and this is what's happening. This is the truth in your workplace. This is the truth in your neighborhood. This is the truth at your school. It's the truth everywhere. I could list and list and list. That he has been given the name that is above every other name. There's no one more impressive to name drop than, oh, the God who created the universe? I know him. 
And he knows me, and he saved and redeemed and restored me. I mean, you can know the highest person in Hollywood or the highest person in your industry, and it doesn't even come close to comparing with the name that is above all names, which is Jesus. And at the end of the age, every tongue will confess and every knee will bow and say, that's the one, the holiest of holy. And so we're actually going to step into doing some of this right now. The, the way, if you haven't realized this participation in prayer, it's really adoration and it's worship. We're saying, this is who he actually is, and we acknowledge him. And that's why Sundays are so important, side, side note, because we push out all the other stuff. And we say, oh, he's the only one. He's the king of kings. His is the name that fights out death and evil. Uh, so you can come up, and she's going to play a little bit of music. And while we're going to do something different, you can stand up. And we're just going to say out loud together different attributes of God, like the names of God, uh, the, the way that he has lived. You know, you can just describe, this is who Jesus is. This is who God is. You can say one word. You can say a few words. Um, like Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And so let's, let's do that now. Let's, let's take turns saying the name of, of Jesus and what he's like um, and what we've seen him do. And then we'll sing. Savior, yeah. Provider. Provider. Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Forgiver. Forgiver. Joy. Joy. He is loving. Marvelous. Faithful. He is faithful. He's holy. Caring. He's caring. Just. He's just. Merciful. Merciful. He's gracious. He is the Redeemer. The only one that is good. He is sovereign. Everlasting Father. Mm. Mm. Ever present help. The King of all kings. Let's lift his name up high uh, by singing together now.